Hey everybody, welcome back to the End of the Bench podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the conference championship games that happened in the NFL this week. And then we'll end off with some top 25 college basketball games that were also very fun to watch. We are going to start off with the Bengals and Chiefs. The Bengals won this game 27-24 to and are advancing to their first Super Bowl. The Bengals had a pretty good offensive day in the fourth quarter. The third quarter, it was pretty shut down. And then in the first half, they scored a total of three points. So they really stepped up in the second half to win this game. Joe Burrow went 23 for 38, 250 yards and two touchdowns with one lone interception. But Patrick Mahomes had three touchdowns, 275 yards and two interceptions. I... Watching the game, Patrick Mahomes outplayed Joe Burrow for the first half, but in the second half, Joe Burrow outplayed Patrick Mahomes, and that was by a long shot. And I think Patrick Mahomes even understands that it was unacceptable to lose that game, especially with the lead that they had in the first half. And Joe Mixon really helped the case for the Bengals with 88 rushing yards on 21 carries, and then T. Higgins was the leading receiver for this game with 103 yards and 6 receptions because Joe Burrow... And Jamar Chase didn't have the same connection. Jamar Chase still had 54 yards on six receptions, but that's nowhere near what he's done, especially in the playoffs so far, with having already two 100-yard games and now only being held to 54. On the other side, the Chiefs had Travis Kelsey with 10 receptions, 95 yards, and a touchdown. And then Tyreek Hill also had some pretty big plays to help the case of the Chiefs. But in the end, it just wasn't enough because McKinnon at running back had 65 yards. Edwards Hilaire had 36, but that wasn't the running game wasn't really effective. And Tyree Kill had 78 yards with his long with a 33 yard catch. And he also had a touchdown, which their offense looked good. Both defenses played particularly well, except for the Chiefs in the second half. The Cincinnati Bengals defense turned it on in the second half. So it was pretty much a switch of who was on at what times and how the game progressed of what team took over. And if you look at some of the defensive stats for both teams, Joe Burrow had his one interception, and then Patrick Mahomes had two interceptions. And yes, this can be given to the quarterback as their fault, but this is also a credit to the defense for having pretty good coverage. Possession time was pretty equal, and rushing yards were led by the Kansas City Chiefs. But I think otherwise, the Bengals had good control of this game, especially with taking some long drives down the field and making sure that they could convert them into points. And McPherson, the rookie kicker, also had a big contribution to this game, had some great kicks to keep them in the game, and also went 100% from the kicking stripe. I think I would credit this game to the defense and offense of the Bengals, so pretty much a full team win for the Bengals because they kept this game close as defensive and also on offense they made sure that they could claw their way back and end up winning this game now on the other hand the more fun game I think was the Rams 49ers this was a lower scoring game at 17 to 20 but the 49ers with Jimmy G they're probably going to move on this offseason to Trey Lance 
because I think that they have a very solid defense and then weapons on the offensive side that can help them. Because even Ayuk, the wide receiver position, can do big things for this team, but he wasn't utilized this year because of Debo Samuel and George Kittle being the main targets. And I think if they can get a couple more defensive weapons to go along with Nick Bosa and their linebacker core, they can be a very solid team. And the running back situation against the Rams was not great because Elijah Mitchell only had 11 carries for 20 yards and Debo Samuel led the backfield with seven carries and 26 yards, which is very poor. But Jimmy Garoppolo had one of his best games in the postseason so far, completing 16 of his 30 passes for 232 yards and two touchdowns. He did throw one interception, but his touchdown and interception ratio is the same as Matt Stafford's this game. But Matt Stafford also threw 15 more passes and completed 15 more passes. He also was up on Jimmy Garoppolo by over 100 yards. Also on the Rams side, Cam Akers, who came back from injury this postseason, did decent with 48 yards. And then the second running back in this backfield in Sonny Michelle had 16 yards on 10 carries, which isn't great, but is still nice to have a second running back in there that can actually do something for you. And, of course, Debo Samuel and Cooper Cup were the leading receivers for both teams, with Debo Samuel only having four receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown, and Cooper Cup had an amazing 11 receptions, 142 yards, and two touchdowns. But in the first quarter, this game was scoreless until the 49ers went up and then the Rams came back. It was 10-7 at halftime, the 49ers. But this came down to the fourth quarter where the Rams had a 13-point run against the 49ers and the 49ers just couldn't really do anything i feel as though the rams got lucky in this game but they also played very well i think that the 49ers with a revamped quarterback position can go far in the playoffs again next year because their defense is solid enough to play at a super bowl caliber level and i think that they could be a contender if they just fixed a couple of positions on their offense and maybe got a, a couple more weapons on their defense. Because if you look at how efficient their offense have been this season, it's been pretty poor. But with the help of their defense, they can be a great team. This game also came down to a lot of penalties by the 49ers. They had six penalties for 54 yards, while the Los Angeles Rams only had two for 10 yards. And the Rams also dominated time of possession by over 11 minutes, which is showing how long their progressive drives can be and tire out the San Francisco 49ers defense, who has been good all season. But that also shows why there was a 13-point swing in the fourth quarter is because they left the 49ers defense on there so long and then the offense couldn't get anything going. And now this previews the Super Bowl who's going to be the Rams and the Bengals. Now, the Bengals have a good defense that can be like a 49ers defense against the Rams. They have a good D-line with a couple key players that can rush the quarterback, but they also have a very good secondary who can guard wide receivers like Odell Beckham Jr. and Cooper Cup. So I think that the... Rams are going to be in for a challenge that they weren't totally expecting, but I think it's going to be a good challenge for them, and we'll see if they can pull it out. But the Bengals, on the other hand, have to go against one of the best teams 
best defensive teams in the NFL who are a solidified defense in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and other key players like that. But these guys are all star players, so they're going to have to get every part of their offense going, especially in the jur- the Joe Burrow-Jamar Chase connection. Because if that's not there, I don't know if they'll be able to rely on T. Higgins, who is also a great player, to carry their receiving core. Because Joe Mixon, in the on-and-off way he's played this year, might struggle to carry the load that the offense would give him if that receiving game was not there. So my prediction for this game is going to be that the Rams are going to come out on top. I think that both teams have a great chance of coming out on top, don't get me wrong, but I think the Rams have a slight edge with how many veteran players they have. Because OBJ has been in the league for a while. Cooper Cup is a younger player, but he's had experience in the NFL. And Matt Stafford's been in the NFL for a long time. And especially their defense, because Jalen Ramsey has been in positions to get to the Super Bowl before. He just hasn't been there. And then players like Eric Weddle, who've came back. The Bengals, on the other hand, have a second-year quarterback, a first-year wide receiver one, and then a decently young running back. So I think that it's going to come down to experience. Unless uh, Joe Burrow just goes crazy like he has been for most of this postseason. I want to start off with a game that consists of two very highly ranked teams in college basketball right now. That is Kansas and Baylor. Now, Baylor has been playing one of their best seasons in basketball for a long time. And Kansas is at that top 10 spot just like they normally are. And I think that... Both these teams are solidified teams that can go far in the tournament later this season. But Kansas had a statement win. They're 19 wins this season along with with Baylor. But Baylor was the 8th seed and they were the 10th seed. And they beat them by 24 points. And a 24-point victory in college is crazy. Especially against a team as good as Baylor. Because you get a 24-point win against a team that struggles in your conference and it's like hey that's a good win but when it's a team like Baylor it really solidifies your program and especially with the Kansas team that's been kind of looked over this year I think this is going to really put them down as hey we're for real and you can't look over us this year and this game started out a blow early because at the very beginning Kansas went up 12 to 2 And Baylor was the first one to score those two points. And that two points was scored in the first 45 seconds of the game. So this just shows how explosive Kansas came out and what they can do to teams like this. Because Kansas's leading scorer in Braun, who wasn't a big contributor this season so far, he's been averaging 15 points per game, but he produced a lot more than what they thought he would, especially only shooting one free throw. Now, another guy on their team that did really well was Wilson and Agbaji, who had also 18 points, but then also pulled in nine rebounds. But Braun, who is a guard as his main position, had 10 rebounds. And that's a double-double. And in college, a double-double is pretty difficult, especially considering that there's two halves and you have to play against pretty good competition, especially being a guard. And Braun is only 6'6 compared to Agbaji, who's 6'5. But Agbaji plays... A guard position as well on the other side for Baylor their leading scorer was Flagler who had 16 points but the reason that they struggled so much this game 
is one of their leading scorers who's a senior in Akinjo at zero points on zero of 11 shooting. And when you have a guy that's shooting zero for 11, who's usually one of your main shot makers, you struggle more because you don't have one of your key guys that's getting you points, especially when it comes down to teams like Kansas that you're playing. You need everybody to be on their best playing because if you don't have that, you're going to struggle in the long run. So in concluding to this whole game, the game was just dominated by Kansas and I think it's important because Kansas was being looked over this season. And when they beat a team like Baylor, who earlier in the season was ranked top four in the nation, you get a lot more respect on your name. And I think that they're going to go a long way in the tournament this year. And I think Baylor will too, but they just are going to struggle a little bit more than Kansas will. Another game that was really good was the Purdue-Michigan game. Right now, Purdue is ranked number four in the nation. And Michigan is out of the top 25 as of now at the 11 and 9 that they are Michigan has played pretty poor this season but they are turning around and looking like some of those young guys on their team are playing a little bit better but Purdue has been very dominant this year so it's two opposite teams the final score of this game was 82 to 76 so a very close game and a lot of Michigan's players including Dickinson who hasn't been very involved this season he had 28 points Jones and Houston both had over 10 and they had some okay bench productivity and with this kind of turnaround in the Michigan program for basketball right now it's good to see because they were truly struggling and it's hard to see a team like that struggle because Michigan is a solidified basketball and football program and it's weird when you see a program like that turn around and people say oh well is there going to be a change in coaching next year but with how it's looking now it's looking like these young guys that were in the top of class because Michigan lost a good amount of depth last year to the draft and Franz Wagner and other players so I think that they needed to kind of rebuild what their starting lineup looked like and I think a lot of these young guys just needed to get in players like Benchero who has been one of their top scorers all season, especially with Duke being one of the top scoring teams in the nation. He only had nine points, and somebody that picked up his slack was A.J. Griffin, who's only been averaging about 10 points this season. He picked up the slack with a good 27 points. And on the North Carolina side, nobody could really get it done because with 67 points, yeah, that's good for some teams, but they were shooting 40% compared to Duke's 57%. And shooting 57% is very effective especially when you have a team like Duke that can be very explosive and go on runs like that. Now, from the three-point line, Duke had nine made three-pointers, and North Carolina also had nine. And free throws were fairly even, too. Turnovers were fairly even. So this just came down to true shooting percentage and which team played better defense, which in this case was definitely Duke. But Duke also has the more explosive offense that can get them a long way in the tournament which has been shown especially with their veteran coach and coach k who has been there before and knows what he's doing and i wouldn't be surprised to see a team like duke be in that final four again this year like they have so many times in the past and that's the last game i want to talk about today the only other thing i want to mention is that jim harbaugh who had been said to have an interview with the vikings and talk about joining the dolphins has said that he is not leaving michigan 
and that this will not be a reoccurring problem and that he is staying at Michigan as long as they want him, which a lot of people are seeing as weird as why would you go and interview with an NFL team if you don't want to leave? And I think the only explanation for that is that he wanted to see his options before he made his choice. And I think he is making the right choice of staying at Michigan because that's a program that can do a lot of good things, especially with junior quarterback McNarma coming back this year. And I think they have another shot at getting to the college football playoffs. And that's how I'm going to end today. So thank you for watching the podcast and stay tuned for next week's episode.